0: Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Highland, and this is CI for life. All right, welcome to another Continuous Improvement for Life podcast. My special guest today is Randy Rigby. Randy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great being with you.
0: Former uh, president of the Utah Jazz, and I know you work for different Larry H. Miller organizations, and I'm excited to hear your background, and I know the listeners will be excited to hear your leadership experience at an NBA franchise. So uh, thanks again for joining us. So, Randy, why don't we start off, just tell us some of your background and history before we jump into leading an NBA franchise.
1: Well, yeah, my background, I uh, coming out of... Uh, uh college I graduated in uh, business management at uh, uh BYU Brigham Young University yeah. uh went from there and actually started working in hardware wholesaling business okay. and uh, learned a lot about uh, nuts and bolts and uh, uh being involved in also their marketing of their program of uh different called trustworthy hardware stores worked there for a number of years for a couple of years and uh some The environment started changing, and I found myself looking and wanting to make a move and then went to work for a financial services group called CFS Financial Group for okay. three years. It was a great uh, training ground because I met there one of my great mentors in my life. name was Steve Christensen, okay. and uh, Steve taught me how to be a much better businessman because he taught me that uh, that you also, at the same time, as learning about balance sheets and financials and uh, how to analyze businesses, he taught me how to treat people and how to make and build a team around you so that they wanted to work for you. And I would have done anything for Steve. He was that kind of man. And uh, and from there, then I went into a good friend of mine. i had come back to run the Utah Jazz and he invited me to come work for him. And after me telling him no for two years, the time was right. And I came to work for the Utah Jazz. Uh, it was very interesting because uh, at the time I started with the Jazz, we had a total of 18 employees. 18? Uh, one in eight? The, in the, in the for the Jazz. Besides, then 12 players, three coaches, and a trainer and assistant trainer. That was the extent wow. of the full-time employment of the Utah Jazz. And our payroll for our players was $2.3 million. Wow. So now you fast-forward... To almost uh, from that time, uh, 36 years later. And uh, the payroll for the Utah Jazz this year will be well over $120 million. And uh, we'll have, uh, we had when I left four years, just over uh, five years ago, we had over 120 employees. Uh, 20 of those were just in the basketball operations side of things, where before we had none. So wow.
0: Randy, I mean, a, eight, 18 employees there. When you look at the TV, there looks like there's 18 assistant coaches these days. I, I, you're, <laughs> I,
1: well, it doesn't look like that. There are, so, <laughs> I I always joke. And I, I tell uh, Dennis Lindsay and, and Quinn Snyder, I said, you know, Larry Miller would have died if, if you guys would have asked <laughs> today, what you asked if, if we would ask back then, what you asked for today, he would have just died. And so, uh, Things have really changed in the world of sports. And, and, and that's the interesting thing as well. Um, we had to adapt to that. And, and hey. when we realized that we wanted to compete to be a championship caliber team, uh, immediately, Larry Miller, the same time I joined, Larry Miller bought the second half of the team. So Larry and I both started at the exact same time, kind of full time with the team. And, and one thing that we said to Larry is we need to be able to compete. And he says, as long as you don't impact the financial well-being of my other companies, I'm willing to help and do everything I can. And so we literally then said, okay, we're going to have to put everything we have back towards it, back into this team. And so we, what do we have to do to be able to do that? And uh, so we, when we, when we built the new arena, and we did build a new arena because we had to raise the number of seats that we had and raise the opportunity of raising more money to be able to compete and have the salaries that we needed to, to build a championship team. We looked and we said, okay, we'll start selling novelty items, hats, shirts, socks of, you know, you know, of apparel. And uh, before long, we had built a, uh, we bought other than little uh, stores around Utah. And by the time we were done, we had 120 fan stores in 20 States. We, we did our own concession bu- uh, business, and we then owned our own building, of course, and had then concerts and uh, events at the uh, Delta Center then, now uh, living Smart Home Arena. Uh, we bought our own TV station, radio station, all these things so that we could put all those revenues and profits back into the team so that we could uh, compete for having the talent that we needed make a championship caliber team. So by the time I was the team president, uh, which was 15 years ago and uh, did that for over 10 years, we, I was running not only the team, but also nine other businesses that were all kind of uh, those kind of support kind of businesses to help us make a championship caliber team.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think as sports fans, we don't, we know what the coach does. We know what the players do. But you don't always know behind the scenes what the president. So not just the jazz, but you are also running all the like radio stations and fans and retail stores, and all that's all part of running the organization.
1: Yeah, and and that's from a business standpoint. For yeah. uh, on your point of with your listeners, that one of the things that we learned, and that I was appreciative of building uh, people around me and a part of our organization that were forward and progressive thinking because we have to, we had to constantly say, what can we do to re-energize, to reinvent the team and add more additional revenues to our organization? And so, you know, when, when we bought the Salt Lake Bees, the idea was, you know, there's sometimes there's downtime during the summer months yeah. that we could use our same ticket people or our same marketing people that could help then also do that for a AAA baseball team. Yeah. So the bees became a natural and it became a blessing as we went through a lockout or, you know, a shutdown, we had ways that we could deploy our personnel to be able to do other things that then helped ease the pain that many other teams had to pull. If they just owned just a team, they had to feel the whole blunt of uh, that problem when they were, when there was a a lockout. So,
0: wow. Isn't that interesting? So, Randy, I know we didn't have this on the script, but I'm dying to ask you, of all that time working with the Jazz, your favorite coach and why, and maybe even your favorite player and why. Can you tell us well, a little bit about
1: that? You know, that is a tough question. <laughs> um, because, well, what happens, you come to learn to love, and, and each one of them had their own strengths and and, and differences. Um okay. I, I, let me just say this. Frank Layden was a remarkable man in that he really helped set the foundation of, of the philosophy, the character, and the values of the Utah Jazz that, that Larry Miller embraced and applied those throughout his whole organization uh, in all of his dealerships. Frank, uh, to this day, is a very dear friend oh, and has got as cool. much energy today in, in so many ways as he did back, you know. Forty years ago, Jerry Sloan, I came to love fiercely. He is fiercely loyal. You don't, you you earn your stripes into in the inner circle of Jerry Sloan. He is very cautious of who he lets in, and and friends and and things. And to become one of his dear friends, I felt is one of the choicest honors I could have ever asked for. And he is he will. uh, I don't, I could tell, I, I got to tell this one story because it it. it it epitomizes it. And I, I I apologize. We'll try to move fast, faster on. No, this, no,
0: you're doing great. Thank
1: you. On one occasion, we had an opportunity. We just got into owning uh, planes, uh, not owning planes, but it, being able to charter a plane for the team and not right. just take commercial flights. One of the last teams to do it because it costs so much. Yeah. But we did that and we decided, well, as a management team, we ought to go and see, what this is, you know, what, what another team is doing, see how the charter, what it's like, and, you know, go down to LA and, and catch a game and, and look at what the other teams are doing. You know, we, we try to do that from time to time and have kind of an offsite uh, kind of a, a management meeting. We got there early and got on the plane. And of course, when you walk into an NBA team plane, I mean, there's a spread that's wonderful okay. for the players and, you know, first class seats everywhere. We wanted to get on there, and kind of get to the back and not disturb it anyway. Jerry and the team, because we were playing very well at that time. Okay, we got on there, and here's all this food. So we quickly kind of started grabbing a few things. Well, unbeknownst to us, behind us, who came on always early, became John Stockton. Okay, and Stockton used to call us the suits because <laughs> we wore the suit ties, <laughs> right? So he says, "Hey, you suits." Get away from that food. That's for us. And um, all of a sudden, you know, we hear that and we start back and then away. Well, unbeknownst to John, the other person that's, of course, always early was Coach Jerry Sloan. Okay. Jerry hears John say, hey, you suits, get away from that food. That's for us. And Jerry said, now, mind you, this is a future Hall of Fame player in John Stockton. Yeah. At the time, John had probably been about 10 times to the NBA All-Star as an NBA All-Star and was the center point with Carl on this team. Yeah, Jerry Sloan says, and a friend of of Jerry's, but Jerry, as the coach says, listen, you little, and I'm not going to give the other expletives (laughs) that he called him. Shut your up. Go sit down there, and they can have all the food they want. When they're done, you could come and then get some food. Wow. Now, Jerry Sloan was already in my mind uh, remarkable. He went from here up through the roof. In my my respect, and and taught me everyone has a place and a, a role to play in making a winning team. And it doesn't matter whether you're a custodian or whether you're an all star point guard or the coach, we're all equal in doing our role and being the best we can be. That's why one of the reasons. I love Jerry Sloan.
0: Oh, that so. is a fantastic story that has so many leadership lessons in it. It doesn't it? Um, yeah. And in fact, our mutual friend Bruce Dayton, who introduced us, said that about you, though, Randy. That that was one of your biggest strengths, and you believe in is that idea that you know whether you're at the Delta Center or the basketball arena, and you're gathered, you're you're visiting with the security guard or uh, you know the star NBA player. You treat all people with respect. Uh, is that a philosophy you learned from Jerry and others or from your parent? What tell us about that leadership philosophy?
1: Well, I I actually that was one of those that thank goodness I learned that from my parents. I had great I have I had great parents who taught me to respect and love everyone and treat everyone like you want to be treated. Yeah. I then had other mentors like I mentioned Steve Christensen, who who made me even though in some of these projects we did. He did the heavy lifting, but he made everyone feel like the rest of the team was as important and did as much of the lifting as he did. Jerry Sloan taught that. Frank Layden taught that. We believed, and and that that was one of the things that I'm happy to still see him trying to do in the team today. We tried to create a culture in our team that was reflective of the value system of the market that we're in of Utah, and, and also reflective of the values that we felt was important to build a winning team and a a culture of a winning team. And and so hiring and having those kind of people around you are, to me, are critical. So we're very cautious on who we draft and and who we hire to make those kind of things. And that's one of my core values that you ask about is very important, is that you have people of high character and high ethics and high value system who are willing to work hard and make a difference.
0: Wow. So many leadership and business and cultural lessons there. How about a player? Have you got a favorite story about a player that represents, uh, uh, tells us a little bit more about the player and the jazz?
1: Well, I I could go with the players just like I just told you about the coaches because I have some, after 30 years, you have some remarkable stories. and The reason I love sports, the reason I love basketball It's kind of like life in miniature, and it it teaches you so many life lessons. And you see players that reflect a lot of those life lessons as well. Um, But one of my favorite players as well, um, I mean, Carl and John are dear friends, and and to me, have taught me a lot of things. uh, But one of the quiet heroes as well to me that early on really befriended me was Jeff Hornacek. Okay, uh, And here's a man that literally, we were able to get, unfortunately, closer towards the end of his career. And yet he played through remarkable pain of knee pain, because of the years of basketball. Uh, but he accepted his role of not knowing it was John and Carl's more team, and they, they were kind of the highlighted players. And that was, he could accept that he accepted his role and what he could do and his limits at the time of his game what he couldn't do but again Jeff befriended me and always made me feel you know players a lot of times early on they they have a little bit of an aura of kind of being and then they do this because it creates a little bit of a hands-off because they have so many people who are trying to just right consume their time right but Jeff was one that you know what even though people came and bothered him, he accepted that and treated people with the utmost respect. And I really loved and appreciated that from Jeff because to me, as I was always saying to our players, I know this is a lot of pressure on you, people bothering you and wanting a part of your time, but you've got to recognize that you're making millions of dollars thanks to these people out there and them giving of their hard earned money that's allowing you to do what you do and make a very good living with it. And Jeff was one that just, accepted people i said to jeff one time i said so i know the ritual of some people you know before a game what they try to do they want to go and get a nap and really get done i said so what what's your ritual and he said well tomorrow he said before the game he says you join me he says oh, when we're on the road let's go walk together we'll go shopping and just walk the malls and he says but at home i usually mow the lawn and uh it just <laughs> a regular guy it. its <laughs> just that's jeff Hornacek just a regular guy doing what he loved to do and treating other people with respect. So, and, and he's, and he, you, you call and talk to Jeff today and he's the exact same way caring about your family and asking how they're doing and uh, a good man. But uh, yeah. And,
0: and and for the non-Utah people listening that he's the back in the day before big threes, he was the third on the Stockton to Malone, the big three, right? The third on that those great teams that went to the championships. And so uh, Randy, let me ask you this question around leadership and learning and lessons. Do you have a story or a thought about winning and or losing? You guys did a lot of winning and, you know, in in sports, that's one of the lessons like how to lose well. And, you know, one of my heroes is Nelson Mandela, the uh, ex president of South Africa that was in prison for 29 years. And he made a statement uh, that stuck with me, and that I tried to live by, and that you know, I, ne- I never lose. I either win or learn. So, have you got a story or a thought about lessons in losing and uh, the character that shows, and anything or anything to share with the listeners around there?
1: Well, let me let me to your point. Let me let me share one of the philosophies that I loved from Larry Miller. And we actually have, as you, if you go in the locker room, the Utah Jazz locker room, when you're leaving that locker room to go out through the doors onto the floor, we had a picture of Larry Miller with a quote underneath it. And Larry's quote is, I don't expect you to win every game, but I do expect you to put everything you have out on the floor for that game. Oh, that's awesome. And and I love that statement in that because you can't control and you, right. and as you just said from Nelson Mandela, you, you can't control the wins or the losses. But and I love I love what you came up. You know, I either I either win or I learn. So a lot of times you can also win and learn, right? Yeah. And but uh, I love that philosophy from Larry as well of being able to uh, you know that we just we want to give our best. And, and put your very best on there
0: because that's all really uh, another
1: control. story and a philosophy yeah. with that that i will mention comes from uh, we were getting ready for the draft and uh, kevin o'connor i was a new i was a, a new president of the team okay. and and kevin and i had a very dear relationship but kevin's and we had invested a lot in doing some new and, and kind of um forward thinking uh, work with the draft. Okay. And and so Kevin said, I want you and Jerry to come in a couple days before the draft, and I want to share with you what all we're doing now to be better and, and learn even more so we can have even better choices. So we went in and met with Kevin, and Kevin proceeds to tell us all the things that we are doing to prepare for the draft, how we now do so much better in-depth analysis of those players that we're looking to draft. Of talking to their families, of talking to their teammates, people who played against them, officials that officiated their games, (laughs) and all this in depth stuff. We have a sports psychiatrist that would do an out, would uh, interview them and and look at their their mind and how they think and and deal with winning and losing. Uh, We then had also our team doctors, of course, do in depth study on their health and their background of health and injuries and those things. Then we had to take it even to another level. We had hired a Harvard medical doctor who had started this company called P3 out of Santa Barbara, who then started analyzing the the players. And he could analyze how the body moved forward, backwards, laterally, how they jumped and analyze if based on how they've done that in the past, the impact that's going to have on knees, ankles, hips, which would have long-term effect on how the potential injuries on those players. Yeah. And it was just, it was fascinating. And we walked out of there and I was very impressed with all these. And there were a number of other things, but, and we walked away out of there. As we walked out, Jerry and myself, I'll never forget. It was just the two of us. And Jerry turned to me and he said, Randy, they can tell us everything now but there's still one thing i want to know and then pointing to his heart he says i want to know what's right there yeah and you know what in to me in life in business uh, on the on the court or on the field or whatever sport you're involved in or things in life you know what it's what's in their heart and because eventually a lot of these players They can make a lot of money. And if they're in it just for the money, now, you know what? They've already gotten their reward. And I've saw, i seen a lot of players that really didn't have the passion, didn't have the heart to want to be really playing basketball, but then even more important to be a champion and do what it took to really get to those levels. And uh, that was a great lesson to me about uh, winning and losing and uh, the heart
0: yeah no kidding. that ties nicely into you know if you've got the heart and the passion for it, you won't give up easily and you know in life it's the same thing, isn't it it's it's um we all look good when we're winning, but you there's lots of setbacks and trials, and you know that's the measure of your heart and will is how do you respond to those setbacks and trials and losses and do you learn exactly from right. it do you learn from it or do you you know turtle and get discouraged and <laughs> and uh, shrink, if you will. Um, How about a story about, man, I'm just peppering you with questions here. How about a story about a player with heart that responded to challenge and adversity and came back stronger, better? Anything come to mind there in your many decades with the Jazz?
1: Well, um, there's a number of them. I mean, seeing what some players have to go through, um, but I, I think one of them that to me ref uh reflected that I was impressed with would be also as much as a comeback it was um watching John Stockton in his career John is was a man that you know when, when you look at when you put him on paper um uh, nothing extraordinary I mean he comes from Gonzaga smaller school uh Six foot one, you know, um, not unusually fast, not unusually quick. But here is a young man who loved the game of basketball, was a student of the game of basketball. And I'll tell you what, he uh, he talked about a fierce competitor. Uh, He loves to compete Mm. and. He will. When it comes to anything, he's gonna play as hard and do his very best. John Stockton would go up to the primary children's hospital regularly, and we had annual visits that we would do up there. And John was wonderful with the children. But if you put John Stockton in front of a papa shot, those yeah. little basketball games, yeah. yeah, and you put a young kid who is struggling and with cancer, it doesn't matter for John Stockton. He's still going to pop he's gonna the He's going to play and compete, <laughs> and he's going to beat you. I mean, and, and what I love about John is, and he teaches, he said, I I'm, I teach my kids. If you're going to get on the floor to compete, you then get there to compete, and you always give your very best. And and I, I loved seeing him. We had a lot of, you know, some tough times. when well, we lost that first time going to the championship, and um, – John and Carl and the whole team said, what are we going to do to get better, to get there again? And uh, we were right there. And, uh, um, And to see the love they have for one another still because of that team attitude and competing together, to this day, John still calls a number of us on and off the court of teammates and seeing how they're doing and caring about them. And to me, that was the measure of really a guy who, who wants to win in life and more than the winning and the losing of the game, it's, it's, it's building the, those memories and friendships that, uh, are, are, are for a lifetime.
0: Wow. Randy, there is so many, like, even out of that last story, the lessons I pull from there that are relevant for people's lives and businesses is, Whatever your business, whatever your challenge, be a student of the game. Work smart, learn it, figure out how to get better. Um, Love to compete. You know, in business, we compete. It's very similar to sports, right? You've got to compete every day, try to bring your best self every day in order to win. And then I love the third one you wrapped in there. And that story of John is the caring for others. Boy, what a, you put those three values together and you're going to have a tenacious competitor who cares for people and these yep. her people. So yeah, great lessons in there. Okay, any other lessons uh, you want to share or stories before we uh, head to wrap up?
1: Well, I, again, I, I think what's important for me and you just in so many ways wrap that up as well and that is, you know what? We want to compete, work hard, be smart, uh, be creative but have a value-driven life. Mm. That you want to be able to be make a difference in your own life for good and help build the good in others. Um one other quick story I will tell when when I bought the TV station. Well, Larry, I told Larry we need to buy a TV station to secure our, our TV rights. Next thing I know, Larry called up. He says, Okay, I've got it. Uh, but you gotta go now and run it, besides doing your other stuff. So
0: <laughs> this is the cage.
1: Uh, yeah. So yeah. We bought KJS TV. Within four years time of working together, having a great team, we had an opportunity to have a group out of California want to buy us for well over 20 times what we had paid for the station. Uh, a remarkable return. And as a young businessman, I'm thinking, wow, let's take the money and go. And, and Larry then said to me, Randy, we can sell it. But then what are we going to do with the money? We've now lost a competitive tool for us in negotiations. We've now lost our right to be able to also be a voice in our community. And yeah. that those number of voices were really dwindling from local voices. So the value system was going to be shrinking. And he said, we've got 40 employees that now could potentially lose their jobs and impact them. Money is simply a tool. It is not an end. And that was a great lesson to me as a young businessman as well to realize money is simply a tool. We're about being builders and how we build our lives, how we build the lives of those that work with us or for and for us. And how do we build the lives better for those that were providing our goods and services and the communities we live in? That to me is what we're really should be all about. And if we have those things in mind, the money simply becomes a tool and an afterthought, uh, and, and it's the memories that you build with those people that you got to do it with.
0: Yeah, well said. Okay, let me end with this question, Randy. If you go back and you're 25 years old again, and because we have a number of listeners that are building their careers and their lives, what advice would you have for 25 year old your 25 year old self or 25 year olds in general?
1: Well, it'd be two parts. Number one, find something as you're looking in life and you find things that you are passionate about. Yeah. And that you love to being involved with and doing and and look at careers that work towards those areas. When you find something you love doing, you never work a day in your life. It's something you look, get up and, can, and sometimes it's not always easy. A lot of work sometimes, tough challenges, but at least it gives you a reason to get up and keep fighting and swinging. So find things that you're passionate about. But as I said, and then surround yourself with other people who have comparable values and standards that you have, but also who elevate you. I had so many good people around me, or customers that were became friends that were mentors that have lifted me. I went to I just went to lunch today. With a dear friend, Ron Gibson, who was uh, the president and CEO of uh, Questar Gas and now Dominion. That again, every time I'm around him, he is lifting me and motivating me to be a better person. And I would say, find those friends, build those relationships that will motivate you to be a better person. Uh, And uh, life will be wonderful, challenging and uh, growing.
0: Mm. Wow. And I would even add your third one you've been talking about. So find your passion, surround yourself with great people, mentors, networks. And then this whole idea you've been talking about the whole time, this value-driven culture, the way you lead and work with people is so critical and your money's the tool, but at the end of the day, it's the values you lead by. So, And you've shared many examples of coaches and people and yourself and the organization. So Randy... Thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure meeting you and uh, thanks for joining us on CI for Life.